Good seeing you all this morning. Thanks, uh, Dr. Hillhouse, for all of, uh, all of the fun as we start um, a new series today uh, entitled Real to Real, What It Takes to Be Fishers of Men. And really, uh, you know, as you think about that idea, it is a play on words for men. Uh, real to real. Uh, real has uh, to do with uh, a rod and reel, right? Now, how many of you like to fish? How many of you like to fish? All right. Um, I see a lot of guys that like to fish. What do you like to fish for the most? What, that's the way I am. I'll just be honest with you. There are a lot of times people say, hey, you want to go fishing? I have no desire to go fishing. Uh, if you want me to go, ask me if I want to go catch it. Because a true fisherman is the kind of guy that can go out there uh, and enjoy just sitting in the boat all day, uh, uh, messing around with the lures and casting and just moving from one spot to the other. Uh, I will just tell you, that is not me, all right? If you are out there in the boat with me 45 minutes or an hour and we haven't caught anything, uh, just get ready because probably the next time you see my lure, it's going to pop you in the back of the head just to kind of move things along a little bit. Uh, but so if you want me to go with you, uh, tell me, let's go catching. And I'm halfway interested. So as we think reel to reel, uh, one reel that men think about a lot of times are, uh, is a rod and reel, right? And that certainly goes along with the idea today of us uh, fishing for men. But beyond that, uh, the other, other reel is to be real. The, guys, we want to be authentic. We want to be genuine. And if we're truly going to fish for men, uh, we've got to be authentic. We've got to be who God wants us to be. We've got to be the, uh, the real stuff. We can't be fake. We can't pretend to be uh, better than we are. Uh, we can't ignore our past. We can't ignore uh, what we do in life. And so as we think about this uh, idea over the next couple of weeks of real to real, that we want to be fishers of men, but we want to be authentic, genuine, and real as we do it. And if you go back to Mark chapter 1, verse 16, here's what Jesus said, and this is an invitation uh, to His early disciples. Uh, Jesus, it says this, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting nets into the lake, and they were fishermen. There it is. That's what they did for a living. They were fishermen. And Jesus looked at them and said, Come and follow me, and I will send you out to be fish to fish for people, or to be fishers of men. That's the way we all grew up uh, translating it. Then it says, verse 18, At once they left their nets and followed Him. You know, as we think about this, uh, at once they left their nets and they followed Him. They uh, knew immediately the connection between their occupation and their calling between their vocation and their new mission. Their occupation and their vocation was that they would go out in a boat, they would cast nets, they would fish for fish. Then they would go and sell those fish to ultimately make a living for themselves and their family and provide, uh, make food, make for food on their table. But also they understood that there always is a connection for us, and it sure reminds us today that in our occupation, in our vocation, when God calls us, He still calls us to use our vocation and occupation to fish for men. Here is the reality that you, in whatever you do, even, uh, even if you're in your season of retirement, that you have the opportunity 
uh, to use what you do and who you are and who you were in your vocation to continue to fish for men. And so that's the challenge. Uh, Simon Peter understood that. The followers of Jesus understood that. That you, they had relationships that allowed them to connect with people, to invite them to church, to invite them to the gospel, to invite them to ultimately fulfill the Great Commission. And so as we think through these, uh, I, want, I don't want to take and have what is oftentimes a, um, a dichotomy that doesn't really exist if, if you look in Scripture. A lot of times we think of, uh, of certain callings of God as spiritual and others non-spiritual. We think, hey, there's my church life, there's my church uh, activities, there's the way I talk when I'm at church, there's the way I interact when I'm at church, but then there's my vocation and occupation which are totally separate. And I want you to know that is not a biblical theme, that's not a biblical idea. For you and I, we need to understand that's why we call it from real to real, that we still want to be real. So wherever you are, wherever you operate, the other six days a week, the other hours of the, uh, of the week, when you are not at church, that's where you need to be real in your relationships with others, but also understanding our calling to invite others to follow the gospel and to follow Christ. And so as we think back, Jesus walked along beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. He says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. You know, we don't get the opportunity to physically walk with Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, well, let me ask you a question. If Jesus showed up at your office today, and walked down the hall and stopped and leaned back and looked into your office. And he says, hey, follow me. I want to make you a fisher of men. Now, would that stun you? Would that shock you? Would that cause you uh, to shrink back with embarrassment? Oh, no, Jesus is here. And I need to shape up a little bit. I need to change my conversation a little bit. I need to uh, uh, pretend I don't see my other friends because a lot of times we do that. We keep our everyday life and our spiritual life separate. And I want you to know there is nothing in Scripture that encourages us to do that. Part of being real, and I'm talking about the genuine, authentic article, is that we are who we are Monday through Saturday. And that should be the same person that we are and the same man we are on Sunday. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be perfect Monday through Saturday. Because, listen, part of being a follower of Christ is to acknowledge that we aren't perfect, that we are broken, that we fail, that we fall, that we sin. Now, we always want to get better. That is the one thing I've noticed about those who do fish. Um, most of them are always looking for another reel, another rod, or another lure. How many of you understand that? My son Jace, he likes to fish a lot. And uh, it'll interest me that I'll see him and he'll show me uh, some of the new lures that he bought. Or he went and got a uh, new line on his reel. And I'm like, didn't you just do that? And he goes, well, yeah, I just, you know, I read about this other kind of line. It's a little better. It, it feels, and I think of my rod and reels. I think all the rod and reels that I have, I probably bought them over 10 years ago, and they still have the original spool on them. How many of you, that, that tells you how much I use it. 
But those who really know how to fish, they're always looking for the new bait or the new lure or the new rod or the new string. They're always looking for that kind of stuff. And so you and I need to have that same mindset when we think about, man, I need to be, go from real to real, but I need to learn to fish for man. Let me ask you a question, guys. When's the last time you've caught someone for Christ? When's the last time you have caught someone for Christ? When is the last time you've brought someone to church? When's the last time you've led someone to faith? And if it's been a long time, I want to encourage you. Get a new lure. Get some new string. Get a new rod. Or fish in a new pond. Do something to make sure that you are successful in your calling or your mission for God and not simply your occupation and your vocation. But if we're going to do that, remember the idea is from real, like rod and reel, to real, authentic, and genuine. To fish for men, there are a couple of things that we need to understand about who we are spiritually. And so that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about some methods in the future. But today I want to talk about who we are in Christ if we are truly going to be able to fish for men. Here's thought number one is you and I need to understand that I am completely free. I, I am free from the burden of my past failures, my past sins, all the struggles that I had. I, I love this idea that when we come to Christ that we are free from the burdens and the penalty of our past, that I'm no longer weighted under this heavy burden of my past mistakes, my past failures, and my past struggles. You know, a, a lot of times we, we think, man, how can God love me? And part of that is because we live every day, I live every day, you live every day with all of your mistakes and all of your failures and all of your sins. When's the last time you've thought it? Probably, um, probably pretty often if you're pretty self-reflective that you've thought if people only knew. If people only knew some of the thoughts that went through my mind. If people only knew some of the desires in my heart. For some on Zoom or, or here live, um, some of you might have the thought if people only knew what I did when they weren't watching. And we need to understand, first thought, if we're going to be genuine and authentic and reaching people with the gospel, we have to understand that we are completely free. You say, Pastor, how free? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Here's what Paul says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Then he says, the life that I now live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. That's freedom. That, that here, here is the idea. The God who is completely omniscient, He knew every one of your sins that you committed in the past, the ones that you're going to commit today and the ones you're committing in the future, and He still gave His Son to die on the cross for your sins and mine. And Paul says, listen, I have been crucified with Christ. What is he talking about? He's saying my sins, my mistakes, my failures, my old self, my old life, my old way of thinking, my old way of living, that was all crucified on the cross. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, there is a term in Colossians that Paul uses that He took the debt, 
the charges and he canceled it out. He completely and totally paid for it. And as we think about that, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the freedom that I have. That I don't have to walk around with my head hung low out of guilt and shame for things that I have done in the past. Why? Because here's what he says, the life I now live in the body, that's today, I live by faith in the Son of God. What does faith do for me? It gives me the understanding and the belief and the thought that all of my debts, all of my mistakes, all of my failures have been completely paid for. So as I think about being a fisher of men, I don't have to be, pretend that I'm perfect. All I have to do is understand that I'm forgiven. As a matter of fact, sometimes uh, when we forget that it's only through God's grace and God's forgiveness that we have salvation at all, when we forget that, that makes us inauthentic. That makes us not genuine. And people oftentimes look at us and go, aren't you the same guy? How many of you uh, still live in the area that you grew up in? I mean, you, you grew up here, maybe in North Dallas. Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? All right. Hill House did. All right, Hill House did. How many of you, if we all of a sudden took a journey back to you with, to your teenage years and found your teenage friends, we would find out some surprising things about you? Yeah, I want you to know, if you and I went and spent uh, a couple of days in Spring, Texas, and you talked to my running buddies uh, up through high school, and uh, then you went down to Waco and found some of my running buddies when I was in uh, college, uh, I, let me tell you what would happen. I would not be your pastor. You would come back and start saying, you know what John Mark did when he was in college? You know what John Mark did when he was in high school? And then you would say, you know, you probably need to find another line of work, right? But here is the reality. What is that? Oh, my gosh. There we go. All right. I know, I know. But here's the point, right? Guys, we're free from all that. We have been forgiven for all that. I can tell you this. I can give you a testament. I'm your pastor because of the grace of God. Not because John Mark was born in perfection, walked in purity, and lived a holy life. That is not why I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor because of the amazing grace of God. And it wasn't just, by the way, it wasn't just when I was in high school. It wasn't just when I was in college. There have been other seasons and moments in my life that I have fallen way short of the high calling of God. And if I were to ever stand up and be inauthentic, not genuine, I would repel people from the gospel and not draw them to the gospel. And so for you and I, we need to understand when we think about I am free in Christ, I am free in Christ to acknowledge my past sins, my past failures, and my past mistakes, but also point to an amazing God who canceled all of my debt and now has given me a freedom to walk in His grace. Not perfectly, but in a process of simply getting better, just like a fisherman does. When I do fish, I fish so little. It is not uncommon 
that um, when I actually do get a bite, that I miss the fish. Here's what I know about Jace. He almost never misses, misses a fish. We've got some folks in the church that have some ponds out, and we'll go fish from time to time, and, and they, ju they just have fish all in them. And, and every time I turn around, Jace is jerking another one out of, the, uh, out of the water, and then he's putting him back in the water. And what am I doing? I, I'm usually casting over on the other side of the bank, so I gotta walk around, I gotta dig my lure out. When I do get a bite, what am I doing? I'm jerking the lure, so I have to dodge it because it's coming by my head. Am I the only guy that fishes that way? And that's the way it is. Why? But as we journey through life and we become more real and more genuine and more authentic and we understand that I live in freedom. Now, it's not freedom to just continue to sin with a reckless abandon, but it is also, it is not that, but it is also a freedom to know that when I communicate to people that I don't have to pretend I was something I wasn't. That I can be genuine, authentic, and real. Notice what Paul said in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled life. Notice what he says, upright and godly lives in this present age. Now, if you go back and you break that, that, that idea, and if I'm going to be real, genuine, and authentic, and I understand that I am freedom, free, notice the freedom that I have. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Guys, all people starts with you. It starts with you. And it starts with me. It's... It doesn't just start with me and start with you and start with those who are on Zoom. When he says all people, salvation has been offered to all people. Even those people that you look down upon. Even those people that act like you did 30 years ago or talk like you did 10 years ago or do some of the things that you did five years ago. And some of the things that I did 5, 10, and 30 years ago. God, the grace of God has appeared. Jesus has already done the work. And all you and I have to do is live a genuine and real life understanding in an authentic way that our calling is as we go to the office or we go to the uh, golf course, as we go to eat uh, breakfast or we go wherever we are, we go back to our houses and our homes. That we are to be fishing for people, not because of who I am, but because the grace of God has already appeared. And as we think, now continue real, it teaches us the grace of God that has appeared for all people for salvation of all. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Now you say, Pastor, why would you put this verse in the idea of having freedom in Christ? Because if I have to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, live a self-controlled life, that seems to be the opposite of freedom. I will submit to you that it is freedom that gives us the opportunity to live upright and self-controlled lives that I no longer have to be drawn down by Satan into sin and follow my flesh, but instead I have the freedom to say no. 
To say no to what? He says, say no to ungodliness and worldly passions that I can step back and say, that is who I was, but it's not who I am. Guys, I'm going to say that again. That the freedom that I have in Christ, that my sins have been forgiven, that I can say, no, that's who I was, but that's no longer who I am. Guys, if you get one thought out of this today, and you think about the freedom in Christ, maybe if you're taking notes, you're on Zoom, what is one area in your life that perhaps no one else knows about? But you know it doesn't please God. Perhaps your call today, if you're saved, to say this one area in my life, God, I am going to give over to you. Maybe it's some of the wording I use in different uh, pressure-filled situations. Maybe it's a, a thought process. Maybe it's an anger or bitterness that I show when others aren't looking to my wife or my kids or my family. Maybe it's a bitter attitude that I can say no to. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, uh, an ungodly, pharisaical, proud, spiritual attitude that you walk around thinking that you are more than others. But we can be freed from all that. And I love the idea that it is the grace of God that enables us to say no to ungodliness. See, I think a lot of times what we want to do is we want to look at our ungodliness. We want to look at our sinfulness. We want to look at our failures. And we want to, in our flesh, overcome those so that we can earn the grace of God. And I want you to know, if that's what you are trying to do, it's not grace. That's works. That's legalism. That's the law. That's what the Pharisees tried to do. They came up with 600 plus laws uh, so they wouldn't somehow, some way offend God. Guess what ended up offending God? There's 600 and some odd laws. Why? Because they didn't live in the grace of God. And so guys, as you make your journey and as I make our, my journey today, man, I want to be real, authentic, and genuine understanding that, man, it's because of the grace of God that I am forgiven. It is because of the grace of God that I can invite others to the good news and the saving news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. It's good news for all people. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus walked by Simon Peter, did he say, Hey, look, Simon, I'm proud of you because you don't cuss like the other sailors. Is that what he said? No. Or you don't act like the other fishermen. No. He probably talked exactly like the other fishermen. He probably acted exactly like the other fishermen. But Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And that's the grace of God that God calls us out. And all we have to be willing to do is do exactly what Peter did. It says immediately they left their nets and followed Christ and they became fishers of men. Guess what? Follow Peter's life. Follow Peter's life, right? Peter wasn't perfect even after the call, was he? He wasn't perfect. 
I mean, it, it just recounts it time and time and time again in the Gospels. The other disciples weren't perfect. One of them was Judas, but Jesus still called him. He hung along for the ride, but then when it came time to fish or cut bait, he cut bait. But as we think about the grace of God, it is the grace of God that allows me to say no to ungodliness, as, as Paul said in Titus, to worldly passions, and to live a self-controlled life. I'll submit to you that living a self-controlled life is actually the ultimate freedom. It's not the loss of freedom. I will submit to you that living a self-controlled life is the ultimate freedom. It's not the loss of it. When I can step back and I can just bathe my thoughts and my minds and my words and my heart and my actions in the grace of God and acknowledge that I no longer have to live according to my own passions and my own desires and my own life, that then I can experience true freedom. And part of my freedom is that I'm going to choose not to do this. I'm going to choose not to say that. I'm going to choose not to act in this way. Why? Because that doesn't honor God. Doesn't earn my salvation to say no to things. But it sure does improve my witness. And so notice as he goes, to live a self-controlled life, which is the ultimate freedom. Then he says, upright. That means honorable, free, and noble, and godly lives in this present age. I love this idea that, that Paul says, the grace of God has appeared. Therefore, I can live a godly life today. And that's for all of us is that when we look back, the grace of God certainly appeared uh, back 2,000 years ago through the person of Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. But the grace of God showed up way before that. And the children of Israel kept turning away and turning away and turning away and turning away and go read it in Jeremiah. God still looked at the disobedient children of Israel and He says, but yea, I have loved them with an everlasting love. So if you are sitting here today and you are, you are scared to take a step a bold action for Christ because you have failed before. I want to encourage you to take a step again. Because God says the same thing to you today, even if you are trying to get back or re-energize your faith or get back to following Christ in a powerful way or maybe get back to fishing for men. And you say, but pastor, I've failed and I've failed and I've failed and I've failed. I want you to know God says the same thing to you that He said to the children of Israel through Jeremiah the prophet. Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And so as we come to this idea that I understand that the grace of God has already appeared, that frees me up to live a self-controlled, a noble or honorable, and a pure and holy life today. In spite of my sins, in spite of my failures, in spite of all my shortcomings. So that's thought number one. If you and I are going to be real and authentic we have to understand that we have freedom in Christ through the grace of God. You've heard it before, that acrostic grace simply means God's riches 
at Christ's expense. That we are all living today in the riches of God's grace because of what Christ paid on the cross for your sins and mine. So thought number one, if you and I are going to be real as we fish for people, it starts with us understanding our freedom. Here's the second thing. is not only do I have freedom in Christ, but I've been accepted by God. You know, if you read um, any list, and you can go look at a number of them, uh, psychologists from time to time will put top 10 fears, top 5 fears, top 50 fears that people have, and always in the top 5 is the fear of rejection. I, I, will, I will tell you that uh, if we're all honest, uh, don't we all fear being rejected? I mean, we do, right? No one wants to be rejected by their family. No one wants to be rejected by their friends. No one wants to be rejected at the, at the office. If you apply for a promotion and only one person gets it, hey, let's be honest, one person was accepted, everybody else was rejected, right? They can, they can put all the soft terminology they want on it, but that's the way it is. We all fear being rejected, but here's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are completely accepted by God regardless of who we are. And so when I do that, I understand that as being accepted by God, that gives me some special privileges, some ideas that I can journey on. Notice what Paul says and, and what comes along with being accepted with God in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says this is what happens when you and I are accepted by God. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Look at verse 4. For He chose us in Him before the creation or foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Now think about that. That God before the foundation of the world accepted you and He accepted me. He chose you and He chose me before I ever committed one sin. God had full knowledge of everything you would ever do, everything you would ever say, every mistake you would ever make, every failure you would ever repeat. And before the foundation of the world, God chose you. He looked down and He said, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want everybody on Zoom, I want you to be my child. And what an incredible thought. That means that God accepts me. See, God doesn't all of a sudden accept me until one day He finds out that I did something when He wasn't looking. How many of you understand that? God doesn't look and say, golly, I had chosen John Mark, I had accepted him, but then, golly, I heard through the grapevine that John Mark said something, John Mark did something, or you said something, or I said something, and all of a sudden God's acceptance turns to rejection? Absolutely not. Now listen, when did God choose you and love you? Before the foundation of the world. He knew everything about you. When Jesus hung on the cross, He says, it is finished. It means paid in full. It doesn't mean paid to a certain date. It doesn't mean paid to a certain multiple of sins. And some of you all have many multiple of sins. How many of you understand that? Some of you are way ahead of the others. Okay, it's not a race, guys. All right? To be, live sin-filled lives. Grace gives us the opportunity to live free lives. But as you think about that, He says He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be, there are these words again, holy and blameless in His sight. Not because of how good I can be after I go to church. Did you catch that? 
He chose us to be holy and blameless before the foundation of the world. Not that I ever gained that or earned that, but I'm given that because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. That Jesus died on the cross to make me holy, to make me blameless. And then if you continue to read on, in love, everybody say in love. He predestined us for adoption. As you think about adoption, he says, adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. I think there are a lot of times that um, men live as if they're foster children. That we think, you know, I get to stick around until I'm a certain age, or I get to stick around until my adoptive parents or my foster parents don't want me or need me anymore or until I fell again. And we live as spiritual foster children. And I want you to know, God has adopted you as His Son with all your failures, with all your sins, with all your mistakes, with all your shortcomings. And I love this idea, in love. That word love is agape, it's a sacrificial love. It is a love that knows it can't be paid back. It is a love that doesn't expect to be paid back. It is a love that is given because of the giver, not because of the receiver. And so guys, we need to understand that when God chose us, he also adopted us as permanent parts of His family to, through the Sonship of Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will. When God adopted you, someone didn't have to drag Him into court kicking and screaming to say, all right, I'll take Sloan. I'll take John Mark. I'll take Ron. I'll take Brian. No. God chose you according to His will. God predestined you according to His will. Knowing everything about you. Who you are. What you would do. What your passions would be. What your failures and sins and mistakes would be. And God still chose you. And, and there's not an expiration date. There's not a season or moment when He will want a, a, a new lure or a new line or a new reel or a new rod. He likes you. And He permanently adopted you into His family. That ought to give us a freedom to reach others for Christ, not pretending to be someone we're not. Why? Because we are totally and completely accepted by God. Which then allows us to live in our freedom and our acceptance and invite others to have the same freedom and the same acceptance they have in Christ. And so now as we continue to read, he says, to, according to his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, back to that word again, God's riches at Christ's expense. Why did God do all this? Because of his grace. Because of his love. Because of who He is, not because of who I am. 
because of His glorious grace, listen to this, which He has freely given to us in the one He loves. How did God give us all this? Through the one He loves. Amen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. What an incredible thought that it says to the praise of His glorious grace which He freely has given us in the one He loves. Look at verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of His grace. That, verse 8, that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Guys, as we close uh, this salt today, if you and I are going to be fishers of men, we've got to live in the freedom that we have in Christ. Walking in the certain acceptance that we have in God's will. Knowing that it is all because of grace that I am where I am. There is no doubt, guys, that if we uh, spent time doing an exceedingly thorough background check on everybody in this room, I'm not talking about just one of these that you run through a little scan. I'm talking about where they pick up the phone and they start calling all of your friends. Some of you are already shaking your head saying, Lord, no. <laughs> right? All of us have so many things in our past that even to this day, probably some of you, you carry in the back of your mind. I do. And Satan loves to keep tossing them up and tossing them up and tossing them up. Failures and mistakes of our past. But I want you to hear me today. Guys, we are completely free from all that. Completely free from all that. God has forgiven us for all of that. Amen. Amen. And we are totally accepted. And guys, when we leave here today and we go fishing for men, we don't fish as men who are better than other men. We fish as men who are saved by the grace of God. We don't fish as men who are looking to be adopted by God because if not, we understand right now we're just His foster children. We fish as men who understood that God looked at us and in spite of us and because of His grace, He chose us and said, I accept you. Not because of who you are, but because who I am. And if you journey through this day and Satan begins to throw some things up about your past, you just look at Satan and say, that's been taken care of. It was taken care of before I was ever born. Before I ever took a breath. And if you ever begin to ask yourself a question, how can God love me? He's chosen you as His Son. 
And you say, can God continue to love me and give me freedom and acceptance in spite of all that I have done? I pray those words ring true in your mind over and over again. The same words God said that you threw Jeremiah to the children of Israel. Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this grace and opportunity today to talk about how we can truly become men who follow your Son and become genuine, authentic, and real fishers of men. God, as we journey today, I pray that each one of the men here would take the occupation, the vocation, the places, the spaces they go, and they would begin to draw others to the same grace the same acceptance, the same gospel, and the same freedom they have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.